Welcome to the official 2023 Glasgow International Comedy Festival podcast. We are rebooted and rebranded and back for another fun series which will give you the lowdown and some of the highlights from this year's upcoming festival. Finding out what makes comics tick and why they think Glasgow is the funniest city in the world. I'm your host, Scott Agnew. I've performed at every single edition of the festival, from the tiniest wee rooms the city has to offer, right the way up to the King's Theatre. Not to mention some of the other venues like the bus into the Toon and on the Glasgow subway. So I know the festival inside out and the folk that make it happen, both behind the scenes and on stage. We'll be hearing from some of the stars of this year's festival, as well as giving you the hints and tips about the lesser-known hot tickets in town. There's some exciting new additions to this year's festival programme, including the inaugural Sir Billy Conley Spirit of Glasgow Award, which will be presented at our first-ever closing gala performance at the King's Theatre on April 2nd. Each week, we'll be showcasing the people that have helped make the festival happen, such as our sponsor, Glasgow Life. Uh, You've heard the phrase, people make Glasgow, and hopefully this podcast shows you more about why that's true, and why Glasgow is the funniest city in the world. Make sure you grab yourself a copy of the brochure available at all participating venues, or check out our website, www.glasgowcomedyfestival.com, that's all the W's, glasgowcomedyfestival.com to secure your tickets for your favourite and fancied acts at this year's festival. The official Glasgow International Comedy Festival podcast asked everyone performing at this year's festival to give us a little taste of their festival fast fives. That's five questions we set them to tell us about their show. Uh, We asked them to pitch their own show in 30 seconds, uh, what their favourite Glasgow memory was, What's their favourite thing to do or see in Glasgow? What their favourite joke is? And what their favourite heckle is? Our first festival Fast Five comes from Anu Vaidyanathan. Hi, this is Anu Vaidyanathan and my show is called BCAD, Before Children and After Diapers. And it's a show for all parents and uh, those that have watched others trying to be parents and raising children. Uh, It's basically a show about uh, giving up and all the aspirations we lose from before having children to after changing a mountain of diapers and also the life and times of a neurotic South Indian mother. My favorite Glasgow memory is uh, pretty much visiting the stand um, to gig with my favorite comedians and I believe, um, yeah, the Scottish uh, sense of humor really does keep up with my own. The thing that people should see or do in Glasgow is probably try to visit it in late November because that's when you finally understand what wind chill means. What's my favorite joke? Oh, I don't have one. I'm not very funny. Um, My favorite heckle that I've witnessed or experienced is really uh, on the first day of the Edinburgh Fringe where I think seven toddlers showed up and we signed, uh, you know, uh, the United Nations uh, Coexistence Treaty. They decided to do whatever they were, and I decided to do whatever I could, and you know, so uh, yeah, and everything worked out in the end. My guest today on the official 2023 Glasgow International Comedy Festival podcast is author, playwright, uh, performer, sometimes stand-up. Uh, please welcome Mr. Alan Bissett. Hello. Hello, sir. Nice to see you. You too. Uh, you're, you're, you're with us for your third time at the Glasgow International Comedy mm-hmm. Festival, um, with, and you're back with uh, the Moira monologues. 
It's the third Moira Monologues show that I've done. It's called Moira in Lockdown. I did it at the Fringe last year, and this is the first time it's been on it. In the west of Scotland. In the west of Scotland. Because this is quite a leap of faith for folk that would have known you as maybe a kind of serious young man, serious young author, uh, and playwright. And now you're performing as 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 Moira. Um, and obviously there's been two editions before. For those that don't know who Moira is, uh, get us up to speed on who. Moira is basically Falkirk's hardest woman. Right. <laughs> so I play her. Um, she's sort of based in all the women in my family when I was growing up. Like my mum had loads of sisters and uh, they had loads of daughters and it's basically a matriarch in my family. Okay. Like if, any times a wedding or a funeral or anything like that, you can only ever hear the women's voices and then I'll kind of stand <laughs> at the side, kind of, you know, quietly murmuring away at each other. Uh, they're great storytellers. They're fearless. And uh, having grown up listening to all these stories, I've, I, I found myself just... I, I don't know, I, I wanted to... I realised that they'd never seen themselves on stage, right? See, see if you say to me Scottish working-class women, name a play about Scottish working-class women. Oh, they'll go for the steamy. The steamy, uh, right? Steamy. And that's it. Uh-huh. Aye, now, that's there it. are more, uh-huh. but there, there's not very many. No. And there's, there's no any that are particularly well-known to... Oh, you've got your non-theatre going audience, to be honest. So, I mean, well, I, men should weep. Men should weep is probably that, another probably one, right? One. But that's no one that is hugely sort of mass, you know, mass aye. market popular. As and such, they're also you know? from quite a long time ago aye, now. Aye, aye, both, aye. both of those. Um, so I thought, well, why don't I just write a few stories based on them, see what comes out. I'll get a an actress to perform <laughs> it, and then. The mayor was writing it and the mayor got into it. The mayor was like, oh, fuck it. I quite fancy that. <laughs> I'll do it. You know what I mean? Because I knew the women and I knew how they talk and I knew how they move, their body language, their tone of voice, everything. And I thought, right, I'm going to get a go. And I thought there's mere jeopardy in that as well from the point of view of the audience, seeing this guy who's no known as a performer um, um, trying to act as a woman on stage. Yes. Like, can he pull it off? So that was ooh, 2009, the first Moira monologues, and now here we are with the third one in the story. Thirty, so aye, thirteen years later, and and yeah, so because that that it's, it's quite a brave thing to do, uh, because it's not it's not drag, you are, no, it's, it's, it's as you know, there's, it's not pantomime. You're you're mm-hmm. inhabiting. The characters you it's are, acting. You are, act, you yeah. are acting. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's a play, even though it's even though I even though it's it's comedic. Yes. You know, um, but it's not because it's very easy for the first time when somebody goes, "Oh, well, it's a man." That's not your first thought goes to RuPaul's Drag Race. RuPaul's yeah. Drag Race, Aye, or or uh, you know, or, or part of mind dames, but it's not mm-hmm. that at all. It's no, and I've spoken to loads of men. It's mainly women that come to the show. But sometimes they drag along their husband or their boyfriend or their brother or whatever, right? And you speak to them afterwards and they're like, oh, I thought I was going to fucking hate this, mate. <laughs> and I'm like, why is that? Oh, I thought it's going to be some guy, the big frock, the wig and all that, you know, ooh la la. And so they have, people have an idea in their heads, as soon as they hear man perform, it's a certain type of thing, uh-huh. a certain genre. They know what it is before they even see it. And I, A, I couldn't pull that off. I just couldn't, you know, it wouldn't work. And B, I thought if I did it in neutral clothes, essentially the heels, that's it. That's yeah, the yeah. only concession towards looking like a woman. Right. You know, there's no makeup or, or costume, really, uh, that feels particularly female, apart from the heels. 
folk can project what they think Moira looks like onto Onto me. uh Whereas if I come on with a big wig and nails and all that kind of stuff, well, they go, well, that's what she looks like. Mm -hmm. It's much easier for people to imagine Moira if I'm kind of a blank canvas, if that makes sense. Aye, you know, you're you're just, I suppose it's it's kind of wee hints and clues that that will lead you, Mm -hmm. you know, and I suppose suppose we'll kind of do, you know, particularly we kind of, maybe deceased relatives or something, mm-hmm. you see somebody in the street and you go, oh, that was my... Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Because oh, maybe it is just a bit of a red jacket Aye. or something or, you know, or they've turned a certain way and you go, oh, that was... You know. You'll have your own idea what uh, it looks like. You know? That's, I think, that much better for me and for the audience. Yeah. It also means I didn't have to spend two and a half hours <laughs> getting ready for the show every night. Aye. You know? <laughs> Turn up my bus 15 minutes before it starts. Hey! But it's... I mean, it's been hugely successful in the, the reviews, you know, Moira's been hugely successful and the reviews have been amazing. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, you're obviously now on your third version. I think it says in the programme this is your last adventure with Moira. I think so, um, mainly because I think there's something quite neat about a trilogy. Aye. You know, we're, we're, we're conditioned into trilogies, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, beginning, middle, end. Aye. Uh, I think once you start going past that, well, first of all, there's a the risk that one of them will end up being shite. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. if you keep going, I'm going to drop the ball at some point, <laughs> so you're better quitting while you're ahead. And I'm not really sure what else I would have to say about the character, because, you know, like, let me see, there was eight years between the first show and the second show, and there's something like six years between the second and the third. You know, I, I didn't want to just, I didn't want the wheels to feel like they're spinning. It's another new show for the sake of it. Yes. I wasn't even going to do a third one. I wasn't going to do a second one, to be honest with you. <laughs> but enough time had passed, and Scotland had changed between the first one and the second one. We'd had independence referendum, there'd been Brexit and all that. I thought, well, maybe, what's she got to say about these things? Uh, and then with the third one, I wasn't going to do a third one because I couldn't think of anything else to say. And then lockdown happened. Yes. So, and so many folks said to me, oh, I wonder how Moira's getting on in lockdown. <laughs> that I started to think... I wonder how she is getting on in lockdown. Uh, right. What's her experience been like? So that was the excuse. The whole COVID experience was the excuse for being able to go back to the character and find out what her particular experience it had been like. And see what her worldview of yep. everything that's going on mm-hmm. and, and and how she how she passed her time. Where does she make yeah, it? Yeah. Aye. So how did she pass her time? I mean, without giving too much away about the show. It was... Well, um, I'll give you the, the broad sweep. The first scene, she's fighting for the last toilet roll. And Asda, <laughs> right, aye. right. You know, remember when it was first announced, and everybody's like, "The world's ending." Aye. Holy shit! Aye. You know what I mean? Like, buy three thousand tins of beans. <laughs> um, and the second scene, do you remember what it was like during lockdown? Obviously, it was it was a bit of a novelty at first. Nobody could go anywhere or do anything, well, and it was sunny every day. It was gorgeous. The it weather was, was beautiful, gorgeous. and aye. everybody was saying, "Oh, can you imagine if this had happened in winter?" I know. What a nightmare it would be. be terrible. Oh, look at this. <laughs> Sitting out in the garden, bottle of wine open at two in the afternoon, you know. Absolutely terrified because I had no work and no money, but, aye. you know, nothing else to do. Well, that was it. Aye, there was almost that point you kind of went, oh, it doesn't matter because I've, I've got bugger all to spend money on, do you know? Aye, aye. Uh, so you could just sit in the arse. And it was, it was, I live right beside Glasgow Green, do you know? And, uh, and obviously you're only allowed out your hour on a date, and some got miserable. But so I'm in a tenement. Mm. You can't get out the back. There's mm-hmm. no there's no open space. So uh, great just across the Glasgow Green. <laughs> miserable bugger for the council. <laughs> that's actually taped up the bench because oh, you weren't allowed to sit. You had to keep on moving in a circuit. And I'm like, 
just want a bit of fresh air. Oh, you think about all that now? I mean? And it wasn't even that long ago. I wasn't even. Like two, two, two years ago. So at first she's loving it. Aye, aye. She's absolutely loving it. And then it starts to get a wee bit more uncomfortable because she lives in her rain. She can't see her grandwains, can't go anywhere. Um, you know, it starts to feel like the walls are closing in. The pubs open back up again. That was a big <laughs> moment during lockdown. So I tried to go through the big major staging points of the pandemic yep. experience. Um, the bits that folk will mind go, oh, that's right, aye, that happened. Pubs opened again, and then two months later they shut again. And you know, so um, it was it's the roller coaster really. So there's ups and there's downs. Because I think we all look back in lockdown as going, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Because uh-huh. uh-huh. it was none of us would want to go back to it. No, no, you wouldn't. You, but you there were some it. aspects yeah, that. Uh, yeah. There's a wee lockdown nostalgia hang starting to well, happen now a wee bit. That, well, that's going to be, that's clearly what's going to be the sort of 20, 30 sort of retro theme nights. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, like, you, know, you, you, did, you remember you used to have the what, nightclubs called flares and things like that like in the early 90s? Aye, right? that's right. We're, we're going to have, have COVID themed <laughs> lockdown nightclubs. Basically, so, everything will be on Zoom. Everything will be on Zoom. Or you'll be sat there yourself, sort of penned off. No, you know, we're well, not. I used to do that during lockdown because in the village where I live, I do a club night, mainly for parents who didn't want the hassle of going out in Glasgow and. You know, like being surrounded by twenty-year-olds and it's chaos in the taxi queue. We're all too old for that, right? <laughs> so I moved on to Zoom, and folk would log on, get some disco lights on in the room. I'd play the tunes, just dance away. Some folk looked at it and like, "Oh, tell with us." But other folk are like, "Yeah, right up go. <laughs> so that will be. I've seen that you were doing the, like house parties. Uh, that's uh, right. Your house parties. That's it. Because you're, you're DJing after this Moira show. Aye. Uh, I should say what it is. Sorry. Okay. Because you're the set. Um, Moira's, uh, Moira's monologues, the lockdown special, uh, is at Oran Moor on the 2nd of April yes. at 8 o'clock. Uh, and then straight after the show... I'm doing a DJ set. Uh, you're doing a DJ set, so Aye. you can dance and... Uh, we can have a bop. Having a bop as well. Yep. Are, you, are, you, are you DJing as you or are you DJing as... No, as it'll be as me. Uh, right, as you. No, Moira would play, play a load of shite. Right, what would Moira's uh, tunes be? It'd be like Celine Dion, <laughs> um, you know, the, a bit of Backstreet Boys and all that. There's probably folk out there thinking, that sounds awesome. Mate. I know. I'd rather go to that. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, you're, a, you're a bit... You're, your musical tastes are a bit... Cool Do you know what? I try well, I try and be as wide as possible. I Aye. mean it's not like, obviously nothing against decent pop music. Aye. I just don't think Backstreet Boys are decent pop music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um so no, it'll be good tunes like Aye. you know, pump up the jam and you know, a bit of faithless and some disco, you know, mainly, mainly that kind of stuff. Stuff in the past. You know what just like you and I are about the same age. That's your stuff. All the best stuff's in the past. Uh, of course it you is. I mean? All the best stuff's in the past. Well, <laughs> Just kind of, but I'm looking at your kind of past plays as well, which were obviously generally a bit more serious, I'd be fair to say. Well, I mean, I've never, I don't think humor. I've ever written a piece, whether it's a book or a play, that's not got any humour in it. Aye. You know, there's a really great quote for a writer I admire called Jonathan Franzen, who's considered a really highbrow, heavyweight literary novelist, right? And he is. He's also funny as fuck. Funny as fuck. Aye. Aye. And he said, I could no more love a humourless book than I could love a humourless woman. <laughs> yes. And it's true, you know, I, I, I do think humour, you can slip things through when you're making folk laugh, you know, you uh-huh. can make a point, a political point even, and folk let you, because you've done the work in making them laugh uh-huh. in the first place. If you just go on heavy issue, heavy issue, heavy, folk get fed up, yeah. and, I, you know, like... I, I, I folk don't want to 
I feel like they're being lectured. I, I, yeah, they don't want to be lectured. Mm. Event, you know, particularly, you know, yeah, you go to the theatre, at the end of the day, it's a night's entertainment, you know. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and like, they want to be, they want, yes, they want to learn, they want to stretch their minds, but... You a know, good night out. <laughs> Aye, they don't want to be... There's a playwright uni. called John McGrath, did the TV at the Stag in the Black Black yes, Oil, which, amazing. you know, I, is a, a famous play that Mace Folk in Scotland all heard it. And, again, very serious political points made yeah. all the way throughout. But there's songs in it, there's humour in it, there's a Kayleigh at one point. And he wrote this book about, basically, his approach to making theatre, and he called it A Good Night Out. <laughs> and he says, see if you want to reach people, especially working-class people, give them a good night, night out. out. Uh-huh. Songs, music, fun, laughter, and they'll go on the journey with you. Uh-huh. You know, And that's the bit that people sometimes forget. Every comedian understands it, obviously. But, um, no, I wouldn't say every... Um, everybody who likes to call themselves an artist sometimes you can get a wee bit high on your own self-importance and I've maybe sometimes even been guilty of that myself in the past oh, I, I, you know I, I think I think I, anybody that when you sit and think about something you're going you're, you're going to present something to people you know I, um, I have a message and, 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 I, I must impart it to people uh-huh. aye alright okay but there's ways of doing it uh-huh. and, and it's and then but sometimes I've, I've also found the converse is true that somebody imposes a message. I mean, I've I've had I've had reviews at the fringe, you know, and uh, was clearly sat and thought about you know the kind of you know working class mm-hmm. uh, sort of homosexual uh, experiences, you know, as, mm-hmm. a, as a gay performer. Aye, that's what I was thinking about when I wrote it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but they've just oh no, when we, when we were speaking about that, but he definitely was thinking about you know how the patriarchy affected his you know his teenage years and that. Well, was it? Aye, but that aye. stuff will come out organically. It, it does come out organically, doesn't it? You know, you maybe didn't even know that you've done it until uh, somebody points out that you've done it because uh, you were just paying attention to maybe the gags or the stories that you were telling, uh, and people feel these things underneath uh, it. Whereas if you put that stuff to the front. You're not going to get the same audience for it because they feel like they're like I could have read an essay, mate. Really come to see a show. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't call them either monologues political, but you would like people to go away having thought, oh, well, there, there was that wee bit in there that made me think about that issue a wee bit differently, and that's fine. Uh-huh. That's I, all you need to do. The rest of the time, they're like, but see when she said that, oh, look, I thought that was funny, then, because that's like your Agnes. Uh-huh. The way she talked, that's the result. That you want to yeah. get, of course, and 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 if you have nudged in somebody into thinking a wee bit differently about something, or the better, or, or, or the better, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Because uh, I, I just thought, sort of, some of your some of your plays previously, they've almost been kind of slightly prescient of sort of all the things that have been discussed in the now, you know, like uh, obviously your, your Sid Barrett play, which yep. you know that's obviously was a bit mental. That was for the mental yeah, health. That's uh, right. Aye. Uh, a festival, yeah. Um, that kind of came up. You, you, you play about uh, Andrea Dworkin about you know pornography. Ba- pornography there's yeah. a ban this film. You know, uh-huh. it's a kind of cancelled concert. All of this seems to uh-huh. have all sort of really sort of flared up now. <laughs> if you get a, if you get a wee, uh, what do you call it, a wee crystal ball at home, seeing what's coming up. Well, I mean, you didn't get everything right. <laughs> I mean, I was convinced Scotland was going to vote yes. Yes, <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, it's no uh, 100% accuracy by any means. But um, I don't know, you just pick up on things that are in the, the culture and that are happening around you. And if you're interested enough in that discussion, it'll come out. You'll hear and you're, it. And you're writing uh-huh. um, without you even having to force it sometimes because 
you're describing the world around you. And sometimes it's easier to do it that way than actually have these conversations with people in your life because we've all got different political opinions. And sometimes it can be tense. You know, if you're on a night out or you're at a party or something like that (laughs) and somebody's like, so what do you make of that that's happening in the news today? And maybe everybody gets a wee bit tense because it's like, oh, right, okay, what, what am I dealing with here? You know, like, are you, is somebody going to get offended? Is somebody going to get upset? And, you know, so you can avoid doing that in your life by just doing it in the work. And then when it's happening in front of you as part of a play, you're more open to I was. the discussion in a, in a way because it's not quite as threatening. Aye, well, that, that kind of... Can you see it on a stage? Aye. Well, that's it. If we're all sitting down on a table or even something, this situation, you know, there's that automatic, you suddenly feel you need to defend your position. Aye. You know, or attack somebody else. Or attack somebody else. So, uh, but, and uh, well, that, if it's happening in front of you in a, in a performance, then you kind of know, well, at this point, that's that's what's been, mm-hmm. you know, that's what that person thinks and I'm mm-hmm. there to respect that for that period of time. Uh, so you, you actually start to listen a wee bit. I think that's the difference. Uh, as aye. opposed to this maybe alpha male situation, there's two guys standing there. Aye, no, totally. And as I'm a performer, like... you'll maybe put something out there on the stage and you'll gauge the audience's response to it in a way and it'll start to maybe make you think about the issue in a, in a different way. So that example that you gave earlier, I did that play about Andrea Dworkin, who, for people who don't know who she is, in the 70s, she was a very, very radical anti-pornography campaigner. And um, I sort of juxtaposed her life and my life as a young man growing up straight and working class, straight-ish, in working class Scotland. <laughs> and, you know, like being exposed to pornography the first time as we all were when we were young and what did that mean? And uh, and try and, like, have these two different narratives comment on each other in a way. And some of it was comedic and some of it was serious. Um, but I made the mistake of being in the pub the other day, right? And I was talking to a couple of mates of mine and the guys behind the bar. And I was like, guys, see porn? I think we need to get it to fuck. I think everybody's watching too much porn and it's doing something to their heads. <laughs> and you could feel every, like, I didn't want to have this conversation. I, I, I didn't want to talk about porn. I'm in I'm the pub. What are you bringing this up for? This is awkward as fuck, mate. Oh, because I'm telling you guys, because some of that shit out there is horrible. What the fuck's he been watching? What's he been looking at? What's he been looking at? <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> Whereas if you date in the form of a play, uh, they've got to go. Folk will go on the journey with you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and and you start to get a feel for where audiences are with, with some of these issues as well. I'm actually making the Moira monologue sound more serious than it is. It's no. And Moira's not that. No. Not that style of play. No, know. it's it's uh, broad comedy. It's broad comedy. Now. Now, is, right, I'm a I'm a proper would you right as in a proper I'm no right, <laughs> uh, I'm like, mother for the Gorbos, father for Chris right. Milk right that's as it's as hardcore as you get and we've, so we're always very suspicious because you're Falkirk originally yeah, that's right. right you're slap bang in the middle uh-huh. between Glasgow and Edinburgh uh-huh. right so we're always slightly suspicious of you it's mutual mate <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know you got that right because oh, I've got because my feeling about Falkirk is you've got their accent but your sensibility. Ah, that's a great way of putting it. Oh, nice one. Uh, so what about that? We never ever saw oh, they, they can ride two horses. That's the interesting. Falkirk, you know? I hadn't thought about it like that. Well, see, now that I live in the west of Scotland and further west actually than Glasgow because I'm out in Renfrewshire, um, 
I, I often get folks saying, where's the accent? And they try and guess, is it Fife? Is it Edinburgh? Is it uh, Dundee? And I'm like, no, no. Nobody ever really picks up on what a Fogger accent is. No. I always think it's quite a generic and relatively neutral Scottish until you, accent. Until, you come, until, until we came here. <laughs> I didn't realise I had an accent. <laughs> uh, and the all hanky Fogger is East Coast. And I'm like, well, you didn't feel like that in Fogger. Because there was a large Glasgow overspill. Aye, aye. Uh, in the housing scheme where I grew up. So there was a lot of families that come through for Glasgow. So I was used to hearing Glaswegian accents and Glaswegian humour, I suppose. But my family all grew up in Falkirk, you know, mm. mining village specifically in the edge of Falkirk, called Slamanen. Um, so, you know, all the songs and the, you know, all that, that were passed down in my family were all Falkirk songs. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, but then everybody would get drunk and the Glaswegians in the room would always sing, I belong to Glasgow. <laughs> uh, so I, did, I think there is mixes in different part, East and West and, and Scotland. I think that's fair, and Falkirk, so I think that's fair to say. And, and that's, that, that's what I've always sort of enjoyed about that, so that that train journey, do you know what I mean? Aye. From Glasgow to Edinburgh. Yeah. And, and you, you get that, you, you can literally hear yep. the accent changing. Aye, it's true. You know, and it's, I mean, I don't know if it happens anywhere else in the world. You know, how much an accent changes in a 50-minute sort of Well, I line. think the boundary, right, when you start to get outside of the Glasgow orbit, right, uh -huh. the moment where it changes, I call it the Ken boundary. Right? <laughs> the Ken boundary. Because everywhere outside of that boundary, everywhere in Scotland uses the word Ken. Ken but we don't. But they don't. And, uh, and the Ken boundary, I don't think they use it in, like, Clyde Bank or Cumbernauld or Airdrie no. or anything like that. But once I think once you get past Airdrie, that's just over the Ken boundary. Aye, I think. You're going to start seeing maps you know, with like, the Ken boundary, right? And somebody's going to start charging. Do you know what I mean? There'll be like some kind of strange congestion. I told. I told. Fifty pence up, Ken. Do you know what I mean? But uh, Glasgow's a really fascinating place because obviously, as you say, it's it's one of the funniest places on earth. I mean, it just is. The pattern and all yeah. that, it goes with gins. Everybody loves it. Uh, and you look at the comedy that's come out of Glasgow, you know, it's, you can be see here all day listing uh, folk and uh, shows and all this. However, the flip side of that is everybody else in Scotland recognises that Glaswegians think they are Scotland. Uh -huh. Because yeah. so much of the media that we can consume in Scotland comes from, yeah. comes from Glasgow. Uh -huh. So you you talk to Glaswegians and you know you you for folk right you get electricity through folk right uh, you're chukter you're like chukter <laughs> twenty five minutes in the train east of here <laughs> and I think for a lot of Glaswegians there's Glasgow Edinburgh chukter chukter I mean I mean I travel a lot obviously with this job do you know what I mean uh, doing stand up but uh, so not so bad but I I probably would, I mean and I remember when I first started doing this my mother. I was, you know, I've got a, an open spot, a ten-minute open spot in Edinburgh. You're not going all the way through there, are you? You know, <laughs> you're not going all the all the way through there. I'm like, it's it's fifty minutes in a train. <laughs> I well, I don't know how you can be bothered. Do you know? Like, I'm like, well, it's you know, crossing like, the Andes. Oh, aye. I mean, like it's 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 exotic. It's miles away. Do you aye. know what I mean? Uh, and I think there is just. I mean, even I'm a, a suicider. You know, and actually, I was talking to my, my mate Charlie the other day, who was a so it was from the West End, and he was talking about going to the Bedford Cinema, which is now the Calling, well, it's not the Calling Academy, it's the old... Oh, the old two, two, two And he's like, I remember my mom giving me, like, pieces and a sandwich to go in the underground to get right. <laughs> to that, because that travel just seemed so far, you know, and, diff and it also, 
also felt in different cultures altogether. Uh-huh. In Glasgow. Uh-huh. Even within Glasgow. That's right. So aye, we must definitely. have this West mad... End, South Side, like, East End. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? There's definitely. Nobody ever talks about the North Side. What no. is in the North Side of Glasgow? Nobody well, ever mentioned it. You've got Springburn and sort of. Uh, aye. Possel. Possel and things right. like that. It's. I, I mean, I nobody particularly. Never, nobody talks. Admit, it's like there's a, there's a West End culture. Uh-huh. There's a South Side culture. There's an East End culture. culture. But. Nobody is it really, just all industrial estates? Uh, there is industrial estates and there's the high rises right. and things like that. Um, there's no like, an identity that's for the north of Glasgow, is there? I don't think so. Nah, uh, in the the same nobody way there seems to have claimed it. And there's, Maybe some do it there, a promising Mel- young comedian. Has, has to come out and go, I'm the north. I'm the north side. I'm the north side. <laughs> coming, <do you laughs> there's I mean? a challenge. Uh, I, I suppose it's just because, I think as well, well, I mean, then the, the city centre's the north side of the. Because if you're, right, you're splitting right. up with the river, yep. you know, so the city centre is the north side. So mm-hmm. that's that, that's maybe got it covered. Where, where it covers, because uh, you because you'd went you'd went to uni in Edinburgh, so you obviously Stirling. Uh, oh, is it Stirling? Aye. Sorry, sorry, I've I've read that wrong again. <laughs> there you go. It's fine. Uh, I've been to Edinburgh. You've been to Edinburgh. Aye, aye you've been to Edinburgh. Uh, so I was just wondering, like, where do you send maybe your kind of your youth that that kind of influential years where you went. Where you were going out, where you were clubbing, sort of. Oh well, I mean, I was first going out in Falkirk where I grew up the, to the Manakee. That was right. the. Was that a... It's still there, right? Still, it's still there. It's called. They changed the name for a while, for quite a long time actually. They changed it to what was it? Storm, right? And nobody called it that. <laughs> Just never took it. Fifteen years after it had been named Storm, Storm. folks were like, "We got to the Manakee tonight." Well, the Manakee. So they were like, "Oh fuck it." Let's well, it's tried that way. Was it, you know, clatty parts, and I think, and I think. They're still trying to call it Viper, but it's no, it's no, clatty pants. No one, you know what I mean? It's always going to be clatty exactly. pants. Exactly, just embrace it. <laughs> it's always going to be that. So I, w- I would have been going out and fuck it, but to be honest, I never really enjoyed nightclubs when I was young. I think a lot of young men, kid owner, enjoy nightclubs. Aye. But you're standing, because your main purpose when you're going to a nightclub when you're a teenager is yeah. to pull. Aye. Right, that's why you're there. Which, now that I'm a 47-year-old man, I realise now why I never enjoyed it, because if you're constantly like, is she looking? Is she looking? Should I go up and talk to her? You can't relax. No. Nightclubs are for dancing in. Aye. I wish I just, like, eh. Oh, if I just went and done that and enjoyed dancing, it might, it might that... actually be all right. You Aye, know? exactly. Just standing there, like, you know, just presuming that folk will find me <laughs> incredibly exotic for just being there. You know what I mean? I know. I, 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 never, I never particularly enjoyed them. I'm six foot five, so I was always. Let's like in a upper stood there like a pot plant, right? Like, like overgrown. Never like, feel and they never feel, you know, and you can't. It's like that song by the Smiths, you know. Um, so you go and you stand on your own, <laughs> and you leave on your own, and you go home and you cry and you want to die. Well, let's go through this. You went to a nightclub on your own, <laughs> you stood on your own, yes. you didn't dance. Of course, you went home and you cried and you want to die. You're making a fucking arse of this, mate. You know what I mean? Aye, go and talk to somebody. Talk to them, dance, talk dance. to folk. You know, know what I mean? Uh, You've got that interesting quiff, talk about that. <laughs> so you're living out west now. Um, and 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 this is your, your third time in Glasgow comedy. You know, you've obviously got a soft spot for Glasgow and the city. Uh, Favorite well, things I about the city for for ten years, and it was one of the best times of my life. You know, like first moving to Glasgow, I'd always wanted to live in Glasgow because it was just so exciting culturally, and not that far away from Falkirk, so I could still go home when I wanted to. 
Um, and when I was first really breaking through as, as somebody who was making theatre and performing, I'd already been published as a novelist, yeah. but I, I kind of found my stage confidence in Glasgow. Right. Because Glasgow's such a, a city of performers. I couldn't give it. Because when did you, obviously you were writing Moira, that's, cause that, was, mm. that was the first you performed as an actor, is that right? Aye. Aye. So, and obviously you just get the feel for the character. Mm-hmm. Had, had you thought of that before? Had you ever thought of the performing thing? No. What I would do is, because I was a novelist, you get booked to do readings. So you maybe go to a school or a library right. or prison sometimes, and you read for your book. But I'd seen so many other people read, and a lot of them were just like, and he crossed the road <laughs> and said to the lady, uh, do you want to come to... And you're like, oh my God, shit me. You know, like... You, you, have to perform it. You have to perform it. And even though you've got the book in front of you and you're reading for it... Give it something. Give it something. You know, make people pleased that you're there instead of thinking, how long is this guy going to go in for? <laughs> so I'd already got into that a wee bit and I realised that theatre was essentially just memorising it. Put the book uh-huh. down, memorise it. Uh-huh. And look at the audience the whole time. Right. And it took me a while to make that jump because obviously it takes you a long time to... Memorise an hour's worth of script. Yes. Um, but once I'd done that, and once I'd made that leap, I was like, "All right, well, I'm now making theatre." So. So that it felt like a natural sideways step. Well, that's it. I mean, it does. You kind of look at your career. There's a you know that's not it's not got one of the kind of odd jaggy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he was doing that. And- Mm-hmm. Who's releasing a perfume? Who's got a single? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, but it does look as if it's got. Well, you a, want a to nice evolve. Flow to it and you want evolved. to evolve over time. Yeah. Um, but I think you can make some moves that are too sudden and look a wee bit forced. Um, so you try and move in incremental steps Aye. rather than a, a, a massive radical departure that leaves folks scratching the head going, what? Um, because also, I mean, I, I like taking myself out of my comfort zone. That's how you progress. Well, clearly. But you didn't want to go so far out of your comfort zone that you get lost. And you're like, where am I now? What am I doing? Aye. You know, you see you see bands do that all the time. I was, I've always been a massive fan of Suede. Uh, always one of my favourite bands. And they had a period in the late 90s where they were trying to date Electronica. And you're not. And again, it's like the Sam Smith, like you're trying too hard. Too hard. You're forcing it. It's, you're not an electronica band, you're a rock band. <laughs> well, but well, I mean, you need to compete with Radiohead. Fuck Radiohead. Uh, uh, you're Swede. You know what I mean? Uh, right, I, had, I had two of my worst friends runs, Edinburgh friends runs, directly after two of my best friends runs. Right. Because you're like, all right. So I need to be doing something really different for that. You start reacting so against you react yourself. You react to, you know, and then you go, actually, see if you just add on a wee bit to that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So Aye. there's whatever marking a formula or thing is uh-huh. that does well and reviews well and yep. gets punters in. Uh, but I, the two... Like, Straight after. There's a sweet spot. You don't want to just repeat yourself. No. You want folk to go, oh, right, he's, he's doing something different. But now. they know what they're getting. They know what they're getting. Uh, but we are, we, are, we are pushing that a wee bit further. I went to the worst. I mean, oh, I, 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 do you know what I mean? I can, I, I can, you can even recite you the two-star review. We've all got that so, and sitting in our drawer uh, that we've, with sentences that you'll never forget. And if you ever, you ever met somebody who's reviewed your work really negatively and you've met them? Yes, how did that I'd, go? I'd, well, I done it. It was Steve Bennett at Chortle, and it was his two-star review. And I was like, Agnew's Agnew's twenty ten offering uh, is bleaker than an Irvin Welsh novel, but without the humour. 
Right, that was the, that was the opening paragraph. Right, right. <laughs> and he gave me two stars. Now, again, I don't often use my height, right? But sometimes <laughs> I can see where this right, is going. <laughs> sometimes you have to, and and I seen him. He was stood at the bar in the loft at the Gilded Balloon, and I just kind of went over and I put my hands on his shoulders and I kind of leaned over uh, and I went, I'll have a pint for every star he never gave me, right? So that was the, like, three pints. Cheers, Steve. Right? <laughs> so, so I don't get the two, which I was lucky to get two stars because see, in hindsight, he was right. It was Oh, see. He was, right, he was okay. entirely right. So, right. Because it was, it, was yeah. it was a pig's area show anyway. Right. But you don't feel that at the time. when you Putting your heart and soul on it. Putting your heart and soul on it. But I, I, so I just... But I could, you know, it was, I thought I'll play nice. This so. is why I've never wrote reviews. That I, well, I, I had, I was talking about that just this, this morning. Trained as a journalist out in Newcastle. At the, I was at the Journal newspaper. I've never, I, the only stand up comedy I'd ever seen was Billy Connolly in 1997. Uh, the Kings, amazing. Uh, it was a Newcastle comedy festival, and they just, this paper went like that. I, uh, do you like to go and review Peter Kay with the Hyena Nightclub, oh, right? right? Which I didn't even know who he was at this. Wasn't he you famous? Know, at he wasn't famous. Right? He was, you know, <clears throat> and you're like, I was mental. I was sent out there as a 19 year old mm-hmm. with no experience of, barely any experience of writing. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Never mind critiquing mm-hmm. another person's work, you know? You gave him a good review? I did give him a good review. I called him, you know, uh, I called him the night. The, the nineties answer to Les Dawson. <laughs> That's an interesting comparison. I see. I probably know that far wrong. Was all right. Was For all bad? you know, that could have been the review that gave him the confidence that he needed. But and spurred him on. But this made But the same token, I could have, with no experience, I could have ripped him to shreds. You know, because I had no concept of what was like that. Well, the whole reviewing ecosystem is is really interesting because we need the reviewers. Yes, I agree. Because they let people know who to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to work out what to go and see at a comedy festival, for example, of course you're going to look at reviews. Uh-huh. I don't want to go and waste my time going to see a heap of shite. So I feel like it would be hypocritical as a performer to complain about reviewers. But sometimes, every so often, you, you get a reviewer who you're, you're just like, you just didn't get it. You didn't get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or even worse, you're at it. Aye. Sometimes they are at it. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that kind of, you go, you've willfully misconstrued. Willfully I mean. is uh, the point. Uh, you know what I mean? When you know, because it, particularly if it's a reviewer that you're aware of their work and you Aye. know how. Uh, this review is actually about you. Uh, it's not about me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that, they're the ones that get on your nerves. I mean, sometimes they'll happen things where you're like, oh, I thought I was getting away with that, actually. No, they're right to point uh-huh. that out. And you can learn for reviews, you know, it's feedback. I'm not one of these people that, that, and I see a lot of comics kind of going, oh, they're this, they're that. I'm like, actually, do you know what? You know, there's there's a you know there's a handful of, as far as stand up reviews mm. are concerned. You know, about five or six. You go, do you know what? They've actually watched comedy every night. Yeah, pretty much for the last twenty thirty years. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to take. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, mm-hmm. somebody randomly from elephanthahalaughs.com that <laughs> you know that's Aye. rocked up. I've never heard of before. Yeah. I'm Aye. not so keen to take that. that. Yeah. I'm, Still stick the five stars in the post. Give you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's you can't you help it. Well, that's the other thing. It's all about the stars, you know. Uh-huh. It's like the first time I ever did the Edinburgh Fringe, and I was getting people's advice, and they're like, "You need to start collecting stars." Uh-huh. And I'm like, "Like, what do you mean? Like, take me through that?" They're like, 
Well, if you get a review that's a really positive review, that is a three star, it's useless to you. Aye. What do you mean it's useless? Like, what, what, no, three, nobody cares. It. Nobody cares about a three star. No. So no. every time you get a three star review that's a really positive review, uh, you're like, well, that's not fucking okay, useless. Yeah, I know. I, I could, you know, stuck another star in the end of that, mate. I could at least start one up, you know. And so uh, that is, it is heartbreaking, you know. And then it's heartbreaking if you then, it. it's, what's even more heartbreaking is if you then happen to run into that journalist and you go, that was up. I think that's the get out for reviewers. They just blame the sub. Uh, do you know what? I filed that review, mate, and it was a four. Uh-huh. And the sub forgot to put it. I was raging. You know I mean, that's what I would say if I was a reviewer, to be honest. <laughs> I, I guess you all sorts. Oh, it was a sub. It was a sub. Uh, well, thank you very much no for coming in. I've really enjoyed uh, it. We'll just do a wee. Uh, so we summary. Um, so the Moira monologues, the lockdown. Moira in lockdown is the Mo- title Moira of the show. Moira in lockdown. Yep. See, that's because I was trying not to read my, my notes. <laughs> Moira in lockdown is at the Oran Moor mm-hmm. on the Sunday, the second of April. That's right. Uh, at eight o'clock, and then you have Alan Bissett uh, DJing into the wee small hours. Woo! So that'd be lovely. Thank you very much for joining us. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. It's been a joy, actually. Cheers, buddy. Thank See you. See you later. <laughs> And now it's time for our second and final Festival Fast Five from one of our participants in this year's festival, Rosie Sings. Oh, vagina. What do you like? (laughs) Oh, hello. Hey, guys, it's Rosie Sings. I have a show called My Vagina's Priceless. It's full of unapologetic songs covering everything from my urinary incontinence to why Google is not your doctor. The show is on at the Griffin on Friday the 24th of March at 7.30pm. I'll see you there, bitches. What is your favourite Glasgow memory? I once accidentally came across a street theatre production of Reservoir Dogs in the West End. Turns out it was just a local family funeral on Scottish Cup Day and I was advised to leave the area immediately. What is something people should see or do in Glasgow? If you're on a budget, my top tip is to head to any corner street in central Glasgow. Anytime between 11pm and 5am, you might find an unopened bottle of something called Buckfast, which is entirely free for you and your pals to enjoy. This has been left behind by something the locals like to call a BAM. Delightful and a little dangerous for you adventure junkies out there. What is your favourite joke? Am I a lesbian, you ask? No, but I do eat fish. Sorry, that was awful. It just came in me. (laughs) Great, now I'm pregnant. What is your favourite heckle that you witnessed or experienced? Glasgow heckles are by far the best ones. My favourite was when setting up a song about how dry my sex life was and a guy shouted, well, do something about it then. And his wife said, try listening to yourself, sweetheart. Classic. Just love Glasgow. (laughs) 